Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is October 15th, 2019, and... um it's cold where I am. <laughs> and uh, the environment, the political environment, uh, the interactions that I'm seeing online, uh, the social media that is flying through uh, is just so confusing, isn't it, guys? Don't you feel distracted? Don't you feel like you're constantly being bombarded? And it's not just the left bombarding you. It's the right, too. They're driving home this LeBron James NBA thing. All right. We already know they don't want to lose 20% of the global population buying their shoes and their brand. I mean, it makes business sense. But, you know, we're pointing out the hypocrisy, how they're all against, you know, communism and suppression, but they're, you know, supporting it. Like I said, China's a communist nation, period. You need to accept that, period. You know, we're not going to, uh, you know, intervene in another country's way. They've been like this for 70 years, and it's up to the people of China to decide to change that if they want to. Not you, not me, not the president, just them. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yes, pointing out the hypocrisy is great. Yes, it's 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 necessary, but it's not something we should be talking about. There is so much going on right now. And we're distracted with this rubbish. And even Hunter Biden, who was definitely on something. I think he was on, you know, um, downers. (laughs) He seemed very mellow and very flat. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, We're going to talk about Brexit because no one's talking about that at all. And it's almost Halloween and that's the deadline. And they had this great big pony show today with the queen coming in with her you know, gown flowing and being held, telling the government what's going to happen. And it was funny to see Jeremy Corbyn, the left, foaming at the mouth that he didn't like what the queen said, pretty much mocking him. I wonder if she could say off with his head. Um, We've got Alton John pointing out, well, hold on a second. The world is nuts. It's like you're not allowed to have a different opinion. Ooh, suddenly you feel awake. Someone is waking up. And it's Elton John, Elton John, who wrote a song for his friend that was victim to this cabal. But okay. And we have um, to talk about uh, Zuckerberg, uh, the CNN expose, ABC expose, right? Um, Because it's all coming down to it. We're having an unapologetic takeover of our government. And no one is doing anything about it. They are literally, literally trying to hold impeachment without any judicial rules. uh, Gosh darn it, Google. That is something that I wanted us to talk about too. I don't know if um, you guys watched the Google launch today. That was so creepy, right? Uh, it's like Google knew I was going to talk about it. I was watching the Google launch today. So I have a Google Pixel. I have Google Home. And I have Google Wi-Fi um, ports. Um, and that I use around my house. Obviously, they're unplugged, no power, and even stuck in Faraday bags when I have private conversations. Uh, you know, maybe I should um, see if I can get all my listeners 
some discount Faraday bag. I'll look into that for you guys. They're really cool and handy to have. So that way, um, you have complete privacy. Like when you throw your phone in there, nobody can even call you. It just blocks everything going out and in. So, uh, here's, here's where I want to start. First of all, one of my listeners today is, um, on jury duty. So I pray for them, uh, that if they're on one of these sealed cases, uh, that has to do with, um, child or human trafficking, that they have the strength to stomach it. And if they're, uh, jury, if they've been called to the jury, um, to deal with a government corruption type case, again, I pray for them to have strength for that because it is really hard for us as human beings to not have, um, I guess a side to lean on. It's very difficult for people to maintain that middle road. And you know, I saw that argument yesterday, how, you know, at least Hannity says he's conservative. At least he says where he stands. Whereas we see journalists, uh, pretending to be objective when they're clearly not. Right. And for me, one would say, well, you're right leaning. I'm conservative, but I'm a centrist. Um, I've said that many times. There are many things that the left may, may, may bounce off in sound and really not, you know, support, of course, because their ultimatum is, uh, to enslave every man, woman, and child. And many things on the right, uh, that sound right. It's, um, there's a saying, pan metro ariston, which means everything in moderation. You know, Aristotle said it the best. Socrates said that every, Ancient philosopher that thought and pondered about life said everything in moderation is perfection. Uh, you know, results in perfection. Um, you know, kind of like you'll notice that people that are extreme health nuts that run every day, that drink kale smoothies and, and, you know, um, really, um, work out like 24 seven end up having cancer and they're supposedly really healthy. And then you have the other extreme that's super duper unhealthy, you know, eats Twinkies all day, has IV infusions of Mountain Dew, which is genetically modified. That's the only drink that I won't drink, by the way. And, um, you know, then they get cancer. And then there's the people in the middle that, you know, are chubby, um, will indulge in this, will indulge in that, and they live longer lives, Right. And then there's people on the island of uh, Ikaria in Greece that just live over 100 years old and they say it's the honey. Maybe we should start buying their honey, huh? So where do we start with aside from the fact that we're distracted all the time? I mean, we know this. Uh, we've got hearings going on today. Uh, we have this guy named George uh, Kent that is uh, being interrogated by Schiff. He... He's weird. So he worked, um, the Thai desk. And for me, that's a little bit, um, concerning on the fact that the Thai desk, um, uh, how do I say it? It's just the, the trafficking. So anyway, um, right now he's actually the deputy assistant for European and Eurasian Bureau of the Department of State. Um, and he oversees, you know, I guess you would call it the Eastern Bloc. So it would be Armenia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Moldova, and the Ukraine. 
He used to be the deputy chief of mission in the, in, um, the Ukraine up until 2018. And he was actually the anti-corruption coordinator between 2015, 2014 and 2015, uh, where all the corruption happened, right? That's when all of it happened. So he's going to be testifying, which is going to be interesting. It'll be very, very, very interesting uh, to see how that goes. Uh, the curious thing is, is that he is a um, Kirby, um, J. Kirby Simon Foreign Service Trust. You know, I say this again, you know, everyone's like Eric, um, you know, Ciamela, and it's like his name is Anthony, man. You guys don't get it. They use either their middle names or their first names, and the other one's an initial. His name is Anthony. Eric is his middle name. Eric is the name that he uses on the books. Anthony is the one that he uses when he has that other special passport. <sighs> I, I, I've said this so many times because it's so frustrating when the media is not telling you the truth. But anyway, this trust is, for me, um, quite nefarious. It's very mm, obscure, and even though it was set for reasons of, you know, um, uh, because he died as a foreign service guy um, while he was serving in Taiwan in 95, uh, you know, they set up this trust, and I just want everyone, anyone that's out there that has some time, because I wish I had it right now, honestly, um, I would be all over finding where um, all that money is coming from for this trust and who they entrust it in. So we have that going on today. And remember, Matt Gates was expelled and disallowed by Schiff. King Schiff said, uh, King Pinocchio Schiff said, you cannot come. You know, you are not allowed. And I'm thinking, guys, where are we? No, we've been talking a lot about China, you know, but this is like Gestapo on crack. Okay. Like who does this? What kind of Congress do we have? I mean, how are, what are the senators doing? You guys, like all of you, I want all of you that are listening to get on your Facebook and your Twitter and ask your Senator, what makes shift the king of the house? Like, how is he, like, sitting there and deciding who can and cannot be there? Why is he having secret meetings? There is no impeachment inquiry. There have been no judicial laws followed. Nothing has been voted on. And yet he's doing all of this behind closed doors. We all know why he's doing it. He wants to know what information does the Trump administration and his people have against them. They want to know what's coming. They're scared. I get it. But what are you guys doing? Like, I want to take my senators and shake them. Yo, do something, especially if they sit on committees that can do something. It's like, what are you doing? This is how they lose elections. People are going to wonder, why is Mitch McConnell not going to be reelected? Because he's not doing anything. Why is Lindsey Graham, aside from the fact that he's a snake, but he's a useful one, right? Because he's on a really tight leash. We, you know, why is he not going to get reelected? Because he's doing absolutely nothing. Nada. Nothing. They are doing nothing. This is where you need to look. For, b- besides the fact that we have Democrat senators, of course, they're not going to do anything. They're just like, yeah, let it happen. 
Where are the Republican ones? Why aren't they talking? Why aren't they filing? Why aren't they subpoenaing? Why aren't they putting their foot down to say, okay, hold on a second, you guys. Even if you vote, it has to come through us. But what the heck are you guys doing? It's not even the process. Like, why aren't they coming forward? This is where you need to say, dude, I elected you to be my voice. Like, what are you doing? You're just... What have you been doing aside from collecting dust and using the Senate gym, if you go to the gym, and charging me, you know, meals you know, for going out with people because you're discussing stuff? Why aren't you doing the stuff that matters? Why aren't you protecting my nation? Why aren't you protecting my republic? This is what needs to be happening. Yesterday, you know what was demonstrated yesterday? Just how powerful we are. Just how an average anybody, like James O'Keefe, you'll be like, he's not average. Yeah, he was, always. An average person like me, I get threatened by ABC on the phone. Take your article down. And I'm thinking, I'm not the only one that's seen it. Or you could call everybody else and tell them, you know, stop redoing Tory's story. Stop talking about this. Stop tweeting it. Like, seriously? These are the things that people need to understand. That we have more power than they let you think. You have more power than you think you're the one that can put it together and, and amplify it. We all have to just want to amplify it. You know, uh, early this morning, I saw some things going by and someone sent me some information that is so encrypted. It's driving me insane. It's like, why are you making it difficult for me <laughs> to get this information? Do I look like Assange to you? But I've, I found out that there's going to be I, I already told you guys that there's going to be a huge like Antifa refuse um, fascism rally on uh, the 19th of October, and they're going to take siege of New York and L.A. But now I'm seeing that there is um, a rally from what I unpacked and what you know so far, and what um, came through on my social media. When I say unpacked, I've only been able to uh, you know uh, decrypt like a portion of the message, uh, but. Uh, what I, I saw was that someone from the right is requesting that across the nation we hold independent Trump support rallies. Don't do that, guys. There, There's no way. We, the people, know that protesting, yes, is a way to put our voice and be heard. Correct. I completely understand. Yes. But at such close proximity with the Antifa that's been training with ISIS with guns that are going to be violent to uh, say that you're going to come out on the streets and support is just asking for it. We're not like that. We're smarter than them. We actually go to the polls. We pay taxes. We tell them I'm not paying you. We don't fund candidates we don't like. That is how we make sure the people that we want are where we want them to be so that way our voices are heard. We don't go out dancing. We don't twerk in the street with sprinkles and you know glitter because that doesn't help. We don't wear headphones and dance to our own music to protest you know we show up we turn up so for all of you out there listening whatever protest they're telling you about um and i know i've i've been speaking to um uh you know uh 
many people about this to hopefully they can put together some montage because guys, I have been so insanely busy. It's incredible. Okay. Um, it's just been really crazy, uh, on a personal and, uh, professional, like everything has fallen on my lap at the same time. And this is a time where I want to tap into my old mentor from med school, Dr. Zavos and say, yo, can you build me a clone please? Because I feel like I'm everywhere. So I'm, I'm working with other people to provide the information that I get, um, that may have bigger and louder and more eloquent platforms than I do in the same, in the sense of deliverance. I, I don't filter things. People are more eloquent at that than me. And I'm okay with that. Um, and, um, to put out this message for you guys, uh, in a more visual way. There we go. Because I can't do visual. Um, I'm more of a talker and a writer, right? Um, it's, it's going to be pretty crazy these next two weeks. Maria Baratomo came out saying, Oh, you know, it might be at the end of the month and everything. Listen, guys, I'm going to tell you this straight, not because we want an election medal, but, but you know, you know, we we're helping the world. This is going to fall before the end of the month. Uh, if it has been delayed and to happen after the rallies, um, we're going to have to wait because they're extremely dangerous. And the thing is, like I said in my article, when this IG FISA drops, it's just going to be a verification of, you know, the concerns that we have. There'll be recommendations, no recommendations. Nobody cares. The IG is there like an auditor. He tells you what he saw. He puts out the facts and then we have news for days, right? The bottom line is, is what the prosecutor is going to do and who's going to be doing the perp walk. Okay. This IG FISA is just going to give you the, um, the taste of it. It's going to tell you exactly what's to come and it's going to show you just how quickly people will run. And it's also ammunition for people not to run again and for people to remove themselves from races. I'm, I'm just saying. So this is a very big deal and it can go from zero to a hundred really quickly dependent on the timing of the drop. So like I said, it would have dropped before, um, the Antifa, uh, inspired violent uh, sieges of New York and LA, but it may drop that following Monday, depending on how quickly we can defuse the situation. Because in California right now, guys, I'm going to tell you, there has been so much cleanup going on. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, they've had these um, fires and I'm using air quotes that you can't see that have hopped across highways. They're telling you, oh my gosh, they're so rapid. They just hopped across a highway and went to the other side. This is what they're telling you. It is so busy. And sometimes even, even when you go to, um, how do I put this? When you know what your target is and you know what you need to be doing and you know what the process is to take them out, arrest them, hold them accountable, you already have, you know what's inside that can that you can't see, right? So it's like anchovies. You assume from the size of the can that you're going to find, I don't know, I'm just saying like 10 anchovies. But when you open it, it's like, 23, some are missing tails, some have heads, some don't. You get what I'm trying to say? So California has been a little bit messy from what I'm hearing. Now, I'm not going to report on that. Um, that's something that I can't because it's way too close and it would be a very fine line uh, for me to walk. But all I could tell you is there are people out there that are reporting on it and um, you could go ahead and look at that. But it is a hot mess right now. 
Um, it has taken up a lot of energy from DHS and the honorable FBI. And, um, you know, they're really busy. They're really busy in getting things uh, accomplished. Okay, I just wanted to say that. So having said that, I am happy if it does not drop the day before this resist fascism, you know, protest BS, because that means that I may be able to see the resignations, the faces, because I do not want martial law to disallow me to be able to see things. Because if martial law happens, communications are going to cease too, because these people are going to scurry like rats and they're going to want to arrest people quickly and, and efficiently. And, and we don't need prolonged martial law, right? We needed to just fix the situation and, 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 and we're done, right? That's, that's, that's the basic, premise, right, of why we would be implementing it to just restore order. So uh, in a way, I'm kind of happy, but I'm telling you, like, it's the 20th. We need this to drop a few days before Brexit. It's necessary. So end of the month is the 21st, okay? So uh, I expect after the weekend of the 19th, um, that, uh, and, and so rightly so stated by Millie Weaver when we talked about it and she did that report, you guys should see it. Uh, it's on her YouTube where she says, oh, you know, uh, the Democrats are planning, you know, she said it should be dropping on a Monday. And that's something that I've told you guys that it'll be either the day before, but ne- never Friday. President Trump never drops things on a Friday. So either Thursday this week or Monday next week, um, you know, plus or minus two days, uh, it should drop. We never bury things on a weekend. And that will actually change the tone. Now, uh, in the next half hour, I just want to talk a little bit about the fake news, run through what Hunter Biden said, see that commentary, because see, what's really important here is, is that these people that claim to be journalists, these people that actually have outlets that can enter into your home very easily, into your airport, into your hotel, etc., are not doing their job. You know, all of them seem to be able to scrutinize the president of the United States, point out when his collar is flipping or how he wants two scoops of ice cream instead of one, drinks a lot of Diet Coke, whatever. But they're not there to say, you know what, what the House is doing holding these secret meetings isn't right. You know, what the House is doing saying that there's an impeachment inquiry when we all know there's no impeachment um, because it hasn't gone through the process you know, they're not doing that. These are very scary times. And, you know, today when I was watching the Google launch in the morning, totally freaked me out. And, and this all ties into it. I mean, I urge you guys to go back and watch it, but when they talked, I have a pixel three XL love my phone. I, I absolutely adore it guys. I can do so much on my personal run, right? On my work one, I use other devices, right? Uh, devices that I can control, and I've told you about Secret Circle too. But um, the the device is incredible. The pictures I take are awesome. The flexibility I have in sharing and doing things amazing. I love the Google Assistant because I have routines. I can sync up my lights, my heating, etc. That's all awesome. But you know, uh, at the, at the end of the day, I just want you guys to know. Um, 
when your phone can be on airplane mode and you can be having a discussion and it's transcribing it while it's on airplane mode, that is a big problem. And that is scary. And, you know, for that reason, like seeing that, it, it freaks me out. It has radar capabilities. So now for facial recognition, for those of you that have the more advanced phones that, and you allow facial recognition, it knows that it wants, you want it to recognize your face to open before you do it. So as you lift your phone, it's already recording. So that way it can quickly unlock. So these are scary things. Automated, very easy, lovely, very convenient. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, all of us are going to have split personalities in the end of it. We're going to have our tech facing one where, you know, you can, you know, when you, when you say, Oh, you know, to your device, good night. It's then you can say, Hey, good night, agent. You know, so subtly, uh, you know, you're going to have separate lives. Uh, you're going to be leaving your phone more. So I kind of like that aspect of it because the more aware people are, the more, you know, when they want to get freaky in the bedroom, they'll, they'll park their phone in the fridge or some, or in a Faraday bag. And, you know, when uh, they go out with family and friends camping, they're going to take Faraday bags with them. People are going to be more um, conscious about their privacy soon, uh, which is important because then going forward as technology advances, they will be demanding more. I know that Google says during their launch that everything that they, the data that is being, you know, collected stays on your phone and doesn't go outside of Google. But how many of you believe that? I mean, here we had an ambassador supposedly spying on journalists. How does she do that? Did she go to a FISA court? Like, what's going on here? I'll see you all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So um, I thought that maybe we can, before we listen to actual um, footage of Hunter Biden, I want you guys to listen to Jim Jordan, how he reacts to Hunter Biden's interview, because it is more telling than what, than what Hunter Biden says. Republican from Ohio. He's a Judiciary Committee. He's on the Oversight Committee. He joins us live. Congressman, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good to be with you all. Okay, so uh, Hunter Biden says this whole thing about him and, you know, these corporate boards and, you know, Ukraine and China, things like that. That's all a ridiculous conspiracy theory. Well, I think two things stuck out. The first is it sounds like he's just upset that he got caught uh, in this uh, ridiculous arrangement. And then second, he said that uh, something about when his dad becomes president. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, look, the American people knew right from the get go this was wrong. The American people understand fairness. They instinctively get this wasn't fair. This wasn't proper. This wasn't right. Um, and I, I think it's I think it was pretty obvious. He just said now kind of what the American people already understood when this when this story first broke. Yeah, Peter Schweitzer even wrote an editorial last week. Did Hunter do anything illegal? No. And that's the problem. Because you can trade on your name, and that's maybe something that's got to yep. be woven in. I remember having uh, lunch with a senator, 
And he said, and I could not even offer, even though he came to New York, to, I could not pay for his lunch. Right. And you have to have the lunch standing up, you know, or else it's not official. <laughs> and you have all these rules. But if you want to use the, you know, the last name of somebody yeah. prominent to get on a board to make a billion, you can. But the one problem they have is, according to this interview, he says he never spoke to his dad about it. But according to the New Yorker article, he said, Dad, I saw, he said, uh, as Hunter recalled, his father discussed Burisma with him once. Dad said, I hope you know what you're doing, and I said, I do. So yeah. if he's going to hedge on that, what else might he be hedging on? Where is he telling the truth? Yeah, I mean, look, we don't know. We just know that this stuff smells. I mean, the, the whole the whole arrangement with China, the billion dollars from a subsidiary bank of the of the Bank of China, this arrangement with Burisma, this company in the Ukraine where Hunter Biden had no experience, didn't know the language, no experience in the energy sector, and, and and not an expert on Ukraine gets this this position. I think the American people again, they saw this for what it is. They know it smells. They know it's wrong, and 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 th that that's the fact. So uh, look, let's let's uh, let's deal with the issues that the American people care about now. Let's Let's, let's work on prescription drug prices. Let's get this USMCA passed. Let's let's Good make luck. sure we can do those. Yeah, right. It's going to be tough because they're so focused on attacking the president. That's all they want to do in this unfair process that they've begun. Okay, we have another clip from that interview that Amy Robach had with uh, with Hunter Biden. Listen to this. If your last name wasn't Biden. Do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Congressman? Not, not probably not. Definitely not. Again, this is this is so obvious. Uh, look, I, I, I guess he wanted to do the interview to, 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 to talk about it. But uh, again, I think I think everyone understood what, what took place here. We, we understood it as soon as we saw the fact that with no experience, he was getting paid fifty thousand dollars a month. I've said before, I have constituents, I get the privilege of serving in the 4th District of Ohio who don't make that in a year. So everyone got this. Everyone knows it's wrong. Um, it is what it is. It so, is what it is. Uh, well put. Uh, Congressman, let's talk a little bit about the impeachment inquiry now day two of week four. You know, because so much of it is behind closed doors, we really don't have uh, a very good idea on what's going on because it's supposed to be secret. Uh, I, I know Matt Gates tried to go to one hearing yesterday, but uh, they threw him out because he wasn't a yeah. member of that committee. What's going on? The, the, Brian, or Steve, this is this is ridiculous. This unfair and partisan process. I mean, think about what they're trying to do. Thirteen months before an election, they're trying to impeach the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who has a bias against the president. It's now been reported that the, that the whistleblower worked with Joe Biden. And and oh, the, the day after the call. The whistleblower actually writes this long memo and he uses words like frightening and scary that this crazy this, this call was crazy. And then guess what? He waits 18 days to file the complaint with the inspector general. And who's the first person he runs off and sees in that 18 day interim? He runs off and sees Adam Schiff's staff. Adam mm. Schiff, the guy who didn't tell us that he met with the whistleblower before the complaint was even right. filed. Adam Schiff, who is running this secret proceeding behind closed doors where the president gets no rights and the minority doesn't get subpoena power like Adam Schiff has, this is the most ridiculous, unfair, wrong process. And again, I think the American people see it for what it is. Right. Just an all-out attack on the president in an unfair and partisan fashion. So uh, a couple of things are happening because things leak out from behind closed doors. Early on, the first two witnesses seems to bolster the president's case. The last two don't. Fiona Hill and the ambassador to the Ukraine, obviously 
obviously, if you get removed, you're not really going to sing the president's praises. And then Fiona Hill seems to back up the ambassador. So to say that uh, essentially Rudy Giuliani was running an investigation, they were not comfortable with it. Of course, they weren't comfortable with it because Rudy Giuliani is not there representing the people of the United States. He's not. He's there to represent his client. And you know what I saw today? So I was on YouTube uh, lining up some audio for the show today, and I noticed something really weird. YouTube has become a news outlet. I kid you not. So I just put in the word Biden, and at the top it says developing news exclusive. Trump lawyer Giuliani was paid five hundred thousand to count, to consult on indicted associates firm. Yeah, he was their lawyer on different things. You can spin it how you want it. See, this is this is what happens. They'll take something that is true, which is he got paid by these guys because he was their attorney because they were huge real estate mongols and he did that. And, you know, that's a true fact. But then you just add words like they've been indicted as if they're going to implicate him in their indictment where he has no business, <laughs> nothing in there. You know, they're hanging on the fact that their client spoke Ukrainian. So he facilitated the connection, like set up the meetings and all that stuff. So for that reason, he's guilty. This is just how ridiculous this is. This is a circus. This is a complete and utter circus that, that that just drives me insane when I watch it and I see people talking about it. Now, um, Bolton made some claims about the Ukraine, and I think it's best that we hear how Giuliani answers them. Take a listen. Moments ago, after a new report claims John Bolton was the one to sound the alarms over Giuliani's, quote, Actions. Here's what President Trump's personal attorney just told our own John Roberts. He says, quote, I'm disappointed in John. I'm not sure he realizes I received all this evidence as part of my representation of the president. It was all part of the evidence and suppression of evidence involving Ukrainian collusion and the origin of some of the false information against the president. That report to which he's responding coming. From- and I'm just going to say, let's just reiterate What he said is correct. He is the president's private attorney. So Donald J. Trump, you could take the title president out, just Donald, is his client. And, you know, a lot of people don't like Giuliani because he is uh, rough around the edges, kind of like the president. You know, it's I, I want things done. Uh, Speed is how you get things done. This is why, you know, I relate to that. Because I think it's a New York thing, you guys. You know, we come up with an idea. We want stuff done yesterday. We decide, oh, I want to, you know, buy a new lawnmower. I think I want to buy a new lawnmower. When I say I think, that means I wanted it yesterday. So I'm out buying one like yesterday. Uh, you know, I want this done. I don't care about the details. Get it done. You know, that is, you know, uh, why a lot of people that uh, have been actually raised in the New York type culture are considered abrasive by other people. It's because time is money. You know, we're the only people on the planet, you know, people from New York, that when they walk at the speed they walk, you know, it looks like they're running. I I sometimes have to pace myself. Even in the supermarket, you know, I, my daughter, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, mom, walk normal. And I'm like, but I am. She's like, no, it looks like you're running. 
and you know, that's something that's kind of put in. Let's hurry up to get there and wait and let's get things done. I mean, that is the natural instinct of people that understand, you know, to complete a transaction, to complete business, to get something done. You got, you got to do it quickly. You don't sit and mull over it like, oh, I kind of want to, ooh, I don't know, and be indecisive, you know. Uh, so take a listen to how they analyze this. This is this tells you everything you need to know. From leaks from inside that nine-hour interview with a, f- a former top Russian advisor yesterday, Catherine Herridge is on the Capitol Hill for us where we await another witness to appear any moment. Catherine? Thank you, Sandra. Good morning. We're heading into a complex week of testimony here on Capitol Hill. And the simple way to think of it is that there were two tracks. There was an official, traditional diplomatic track when it came to Ukraine, and then there was an unofficial back channel that was led by the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. And the question is whether any of those activities broke the law, rise to an impeachable offense, or they simply... The word I want to use is sort of upset the old order here in traditional Washington. A short time from now, we're expecting another witness this morning, George P. Kent, a senior State Department official who at one time worked very closely with the former U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch. She was removed two months early from her position. The simple explanation is that both of these individuals got sideways with Rudy Giuliani and his efforts to investigate allegations of corruption in the Ukraine involving Democrats. Actually, let's let's state the facts. They didn't go sideways on Rudy Giuliani. They went sideways on the fact that they were stymieing visas for Ukrainian department, their Department of Justice, Ukrainian officials to fly to the United States. That is the reason they were removed. The fact that they were corrupt, the fact that Marie had groomed, okay, when she was working the Russian desk at the State Department, she had groomed Nellie Orr. The fact that she had Nellie Orr there to create the fake, you know, you know, information against Manafort, against Trump, the origination of this information coming from one of the most corrupt countries on the planet, which is the Ukraine. And I explained to you in a previous show why they're corrupt because they were desperate you know it's kind of like um if you were to like take a prison that has uh i don't know 500 inmates and they're all in there for nonviolent crimes and you just open the door and say just good just go and they have no money, uh, no house, uh, no family, uh, you know, they could have family amongst themselves, whatever, but they don't know where they stand as a group of people. So they find this piece of land and they're like, all right, we're going to make this home, all 500 of us that have been institutionalized, spoon fed. We were told when to eat every day, when to sleep every day, when to walk every day, when to work out every day. Uh, given our medicines, they would hand it over to us. Uh, they would wash our clothes, tell us when to wash our clothes. We were told to, when we could do everything. So now you take all these 500 people that are institutionalized. The same thing happened when the USSR collapsed, right? They were all institutionalized. It was working one way. And suddenly they're like in limbo with no foundation. They're like, what do we do? Imagine those 500, you know, non-violent offenders, okay, or whatever, or just people that have been institutionalized, whatever, and they just take this piece of land, they're like, all right, we're going to call it New World or whatever, or the Ukraine in this example, um, and let's do it. Someone really smart comes along.
Someone smart that says, oh, you must be really struggling. You don't even have capital to, you know, uh, build uh, your city. You don't have capital to create infrastructure. You need an underground subway. You don't have people that know how to dig. You don't have the equipment to do it. Let me help you. I want to invest. And you know, I'm going to invest because I'm going to be making money. You know, I'm going to pay so that you can have this amazing subway under a pyramid that I'm going to design this lovely pyramid for you. And under there, it'll be a subway and a mini mall. And I will invest and I'll get, you know, a couple pennies off of every ticket you sell on the train forever. And that'll be my payback because I'll get my money back that I invested and you have your trains and I have this money coming in all the time. So, you know, a couple of the more smarter people of this institutionalized group that was just released into the ether are like, yeah, cool. But, you know, some of them are criminal criminals, right? Some of them have the mind of uh, let me take advantage. So they're a little bit smart and they're like, yo. Uh, why don't you give me the money? Yeah, you know, they go and approach these guys, the smarter ones, go to the ones that think they're smart and say, I'll give you like 300 million euros. You can pocket 150 and then you put 150 toward, you know, this and you let me do this. Sure, sure. But you're going to charge it as debt to the country. No big deal. You're just getting a loan and you'll charge them 300 million euros for the loan. You keep 150 and only 150 gets invested. And suddenly a lot of these people that thought they were smart were being outsmarted by smart Germans and smart French people and smart Goldman Sachs investment bankers that would be sent out from the Obama administration and other administrations previous to that. So Bush, we're talking, you know, Clinton, and they all sit down. They're like, let us help you. We want you to succeed. And so these idiots that thought they were smart, that their people that have been institutionalized with them believe they were smart and they suddenly take their nation and sell it. The most corrupt, that's where you go. See, smart, people that think they're smart are always outsmarted. And that's the arrogance of corrupt-natured people. They're arrogant and they think they're smart. So someone that is not arrogant and stable evil... (laughs) will come in and mold you and make you their puppet. And this is where we are at. This is why the Ukraine is one of the most corrupt nations on the planet, because they were invaded by really stable, evil people. And this is where they're at. And this is why everything came from there. You only have to look at all the people that, you know, were involved in the Ukraine. I mean, you have to think about it yourself. We're in the United States of America, right? I mean, why are we so into the Ukraine? Why are we so busy in their business? Why are we so busy sitting there and doing things and telling them how to run a a non-corrupt government? I mean, you know, when we have the worst corruption there is, we're just molding them in our image, right? That's what the corrupt government was doing, molding them in our image. Uh, But they didn't care how it looked. And this is what it comes down to. They were going under there with the sign of anti-corruption. Wasn't it Gandhi that said that if you want to fight war, you don't say anti-war. If you want to fight peace, you know, you don't say anti, anti-war, anti right? You don't say anti. You have to come with a positive message. So if you really, really want to fix something, 
you know, you don't say I'm anti-corruption. You say I'm pro-freedom. When you want to liberate people, you know, you don't say I'm anti, you know, deep state. I want to drain the deep state and empower the people. You use positive verbiage. And, you know, this comes from uh, the energy that our words have. And the impact that words have. And I say this because earlier today I saw uh, a tweet uh, from uh, LeBron. And uh, LeBron James said, my team in this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. You know, no, you, you, you want them to understand how... 20% of the global population resides in China and that if you say anything wrong about China or if you try to defend your leftist ideology, which would mean that you have to defy the Chinese market, that you will lose money. And that is a really bad pickle to be in. I mean, you shouldn't have been political in the first place. You politicized sports, so eat it now. But... The, the thing, the statement that clears out is that people need to understand what a statement can do to others. The words can. There was this experiment by a Japanese doctor, Dr. Yamamoto, um, where he, and I urge all of you, those of you that have children or grandchildren that are listening, to conduct this ex- experiment with them. Get three mason jars, right? Fill it up with one cup of rice from the same bag. And then fill it up with another, you know, uh, two cups of water uh, from the same tap or the same bottle. You know, don't use like two different bottles, even though they were in the same package. It has to be consistent. So I would suggest just use the tap water, right? Whatever. And then label one with a heart, label one with like an angry face and label one with like the face with the line across, like the neutral face. And so the neutral one is, uh, you know, uh, the, the mason jar with the sealed rice, um, that you're just going to put somewhere, you know, in, in a shelf somewhere, like don't care. Let it be out in the light. If the others are going to be in the light, that has to be in the light, but you're ignoring it. Now the one with the heart every morning for just 10 days, I want you to say nice things to that mason jar. I actually had my kid do this experiment to understand the impact of power that words have. Uh, what you say carries energy. Um, and because it is energy anyway, right? <laughs> uh, it's all, you know, physics in the end. And so when you say nice things like, oh, I love you, jar of rice, but, or you say nice things to someone else, but you're telling the rice that too. And then the other jar that has the, you know, angry face, I want you to cuss at it. I want you to say anything you would love to say to people you do not like. I guarantee you by the end of the 10 days, you will see that the rice that you've been speaking to nicely probably doesn't go bad. Uh, we actually saw that it was just normal rice. It like survived per se. The one that was getting all the bad verbiage, all the bad energy, right, had turned completely black. And the neutral one was getting moldy on its own. But, you know, as time takes its course, it was just ignored there. So th- this is actually an experiment that he's done. You can actually search it on YouTube. Um, and it says that memory ha- carries energy, 
um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really important. So words are very, very important. And this is why I'm such a stifler on definitions and the way someone says something and how they say something and the verbiage they use when they're expressing things. For me, when I hear myself back sometimes, I'm like, gosh, I'm so angry. Yes. And I'm not angry at the situation. I'm angry at myself because, you know, so many years, and could you imagine being so many years present, observing and saying nothing? It feels like you're, you know, in a pot with like this, you know, the, the pressure cooker. And there's no escape valve for the steam to go either. And then suddenly, you know, the pressure cooker goes and I'm like the Ukraine kind of hanging in the ether. And, and then a smart guy like, um, you know, Andy Breitbart comes in and, and meets me and, Kind of like, you know, we could just chill and stuff and just, you know, relax and soothes, soothes you into accepting. Um, this is exactly where our nation is too, as well. A lot of us are really angry that all of this had happened, right? All of this, all of this stuff, all of this stuff that we're seeing with this great massive awakening has been happening and we've just been standing by doing nothing. And a lot of people say, well, there wasn't social media then and we couldn't. Back then it was easier to fix than it is now because with social media they can easily poison, direct, silence, and censor because we are investing all our time in that social media, right? We are investing all of that there. So we have to understand that the anger and and the responses that we're giving and the jabs that we're throwing are because we have this, you know, we've been in this pressure cooker and some of us didn't even know we were in the pressure cooker until, you know, we were let out and we're just like, all right, um, so this is like uncharted territory. I have no floor. I'm floating. Where am I going to land? And that is where everyone was during the presidential election campaigns of 2016. It blew our mind and all of us gravitated toward President Trump because everything he said, everything he um, put out was exactly everything we knew was happening but didn't realize we were doing nothing about it and we needed a man with the chops to do it. So, you know, the 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 words matter. Words definitely matter. So when we listen to our president speak, you need to listen to the words he says. Because yesterday he was talking about this guy who was at a hotel with his kids and some, and this guy who was like super high came to this hotel in the Caribbean and said, oh, your sink needs fixing. And suddenly, you know, he's like, I didn't ask for the sink. It's fine. And this guy's trying to kill him. So they're fighting and the guy defends himself and kills him. And suddenly the queen puts him under arrest and he's on trial for murder, even though it was blatant self-defense. But here's the thing. Bill Taylor, for example, in August, he went to buy a burner phone, you know, right where the 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 square of independence is right off the red line he got off of stop 120 in kiev walked over to that underground mall 
of the Metro picked up a phone and he used a UBS credit card to pay for it. I wonder if the government knows that he banks with UBS. And it just so happens that UBS only provides private banking. They don't have like banking services for just anyone. It's always with investments. UBS stands for United Bank of Switzerland. Did I ever tell you guys that I interned for them for a very long time? So when he said his eyes are there, he meant it. Because the guy that, you know, was defending himself and his kids happened to be an investment professional at UBS. See, things are very important when we look at the words and the choice of words used. I'll see you all in just a bit. Real news. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, always here, 12 to 2, Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. Now, uh, what I was thinking that we can uh, jump into is um, let's talk about what Rand Paul did. He called for a probe of Senate Democrats over the Ukraine letter. So this is um, uh, pretty awesome. Uh, Dr. Paul, I-, I love him. Just take a listen. Rand Paul from Kentucky. It was a stretch limo. <laughs> He's a mandate. <laughs> Come on. Senator Paul and his wife, uh, Kelly Paul, join us right now. Uh, they have written a brand new book. It's called The Case Against Socialism, and they join us live. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for Good having morning. us. Good morning. Thanks We're, for having us. You bet. We're going to talk about your book in just a moment. Uh, but, Senator, you know, so much of our attention, you know, uh, in the news media has been about the Ukraine situation. You want an investigation into a letter three of your fellow colleagues in the Senate wrote to Ukraine uh, trying to dig up some stuff, what, a year, year and a half ago? I think the only thing consistent about the whole discussion of people threatening Ukrainian aid is that everybody seems to be doing it mm-hmm. on both sides. But it can't really be one side of there accusing the president of doing it. Well, Joe Biden threatened the aid. And then three senators wrote a letter to the Ukrainian government. They said, if you don't continue investigating Trump and help the Mueller investigation, we may pull back on your aid. So it sounds like everybody and their brother is threatening Ukrainian aid. So we can't have two standards. Democrats get to threaten Ukrainian aid. Nothing happens to them. Now they want to impeach a president over this. Mm -hmm. I think it's looking more and more like it's just a very much a partisan attack. How can you not want to hear from the whistleblower? Adam Schiff says yesterday, (laughs) we don't need to hear from the whistleblower. I thought that he was at the hub of everything. One of the interesting things about the whistleblower is I think people should ask how he got the information or she got the information because I think it was gotten illegally. Only a certain people can listen to the phone call, and I think very few should be listening to the president's phone calls. But that group was selected. The whistleblowers outside of that group. Mm-hmm. So somebody in this small group broke the law. And you could say, well, maybe it's not that important. Well, what if they gave out the nuclear secrets or something, something really important to our national security, the name of a spy or something? You can't have people in the inner circle that can listen to the president's phone calls leaking that information illegally. They need to be punished and, and removed from government. How will the Senate react to this? Are the Republicans in the Senate going to 
get together and sit and try to support this president if they don't believe that that was an impeachable offense? I think there's a great deal of talk about, you know, the idea of whether or not, you know, impeaching someone over this, particularly since the Democrats did something very similar in threatening the aid and saying if you don't investigate Trump. It sounds like the Democrats have done exactly the same thing they're accusing the president of doing. I think in the end it's going to be seen by the American public as very partisan. If the House sends it over, I think it'll be voted down in the Senate. So, right. Kelly, let's pivot to your book um, that yeah. you wrote with the senator. Uh, what well, how does socialism resonate with you? I know if, if Tucker Carlson endorsed. OK, so I just want to say what he said is meritful, but he takes it on the premise that the president with, with, was withholding aid because they weren't cooperating with investigations, which is false. They were cooperating. Marie Ivanovich was making sure that they couldn't get visas to come here and cooperate. So every single person you hear, remember, words are very important. And we need when we read things, sometimes we drop words, drop sentences, drop pictures, drop statements that indicate um, what their true intention is behind here. So, you know, they wrote a book about the case against socialism, which they know very well because they come from a state that is a Commonwealth state, which is very different. Um, having lived in the Commonwealth state of Kentucky, I know this quite well. So I don't want to hear about their book. So they're done. But now we're going to listen to Britt Hume and what he has to say about impeachment testimony. Take a listen. Prince and former Trump administration officials, the Wall Street Journal's editorial board warning House Intel Chairman Adam Schiff that by doing things this way, he's actually lending credibility to the president's argument that it's a rigged game. Quote, the House Democrat justifies him, his impeachment secrecy as if he's running a criminal trial. Let's bring in Fox News senior political analyst Britt Hume to break it down. Good to have you with us, Britt. Thank you, Shannon. Glad to be here. Okay, so Byron York writing about this, he talks about how there have been all these secret, first of all, they were transcribed interviews. Now, the last couple have been depositions, which means no one's allowed to come out and talk about them. Adam Schiff can decide if their transcripts are released, and even lawmakers aren't getting a chance to look at them. He talks about the former ambassador, uh, Yovanovitch, who testified last week. He says this, as the Yovanovitch interview began, her 10-page opening statement quickly leaked. Democrats and Yovanovitch got their side of the story out without any rebuttal from Republicans because they're afraid to say anything. The Republicans are afraid, I think, that, that the Democrats on that committee, on the Intelligence Committee, will do to them or, or some one of them what they did to Devin Nunes, which was they whomped up a charge that he'd leaked, mishandled classified information or whatever. It was it was a baseless charge, but he had to step down from the committee or felt he had to, while during the pendency of the inquiry that was done into that. So I think they're afraid of that a little bit. But I, you know, I this game is so kind of transparent. What's going? on. Did you hear that? So they're actually scared that they're going to do something. They're scared that they're going to. Throw something at them and get them. And, and listen, this is important. When you feel that they can harm you, you immediately retract. And this is why there are many GOP senators quiet. Because the only time you are scared is when, one, you don't want to own up to things. Let's not forget these slush funds that we have to silence people in the Senate that we still haven't seen. And, you know, all of us like to just paint the Democrats evil. There's a lot of people re wearing red jackets, right, that are just like them, just as dirty. So you can see all of them toppling down almost instantly. 
and they're worried about it. Devin Nunes, they did something that was completely baseless, but there's procedure. You got to step down. You got to shut up. You got to just roll with it because they'll use anything they can against you and they will dig up anything they can against you to annihilate you. See, when you speak truth, what do they do? Baseless claims. They'll start filing civil suits. They'll start going to make, you know, all these announcements about you. And then they'll rally up the insane troll farms to start pushing that information about you. So they can put fake egg on your face and you can't walk the streets. You can't speak. But you know what? Devin Nunes, like myself and many others, really don't care what they have to say because we know what the truth is. We know where we stand. We know everything. And each and every one of you should not be scared. That is called, um, what is Brit Hume describing? There's one word for that. It's called blackmail. So, you know, depending on how dirty you are, listen, man, if you're sitting in the Senate as a GOP and you're going to sit on your hands and do nothing, resign now. Resign now, and we know you have some skeleton in your closet you don't want us to know about, but you are willing to take the egg on your face and resign for whatever personal reason you have so that way we could get someone in there that doesn't care if they have egg on their face. They don't care what anybody says, and they'll just charge right through like a bull. Why don't they do that? Why can't they be honorable? Why? Because they like the benefits they have. They like their cushy position. You know, Years ago, I talked about Newt Gringrich. I spoke with um, the late um, Hagman and, and his father, God rest his soul, and what they're going through. And I said, no matter how many good things he says, he is not on our side. He says he's like a Lindsey Graham, but more secret, right? You know, he's a Bohemian Grove attendee. You know, he's coming out in support of Tulsi Gabbard to throw some lifelines. I'm going to leave it at that. What you all need to do as people, as the people of power, what everyone should be doing is demanding that they do something. And if they don't do something, step aside, man, and let someone with real cojones do it. Because we need to fix this. We are... Right now, what we're experiencing is a civilized civil war. And it's a civil war, again, thanks to the Democrats. But we can't have turncoats sitting there or people that really want to fight, but they messed up somewhere along the line and aren't willing to own it, right? Aren't willing to own it. Instead, they're willing to just stand by and let things happen. This is where people need to step up. Listen to what else he says. So first of all, he tells you everyone's scared to say something because they might end up like Devin Nunes. False, baseless charges, putting fake egg on your face just for the eyes of the people. What's going on here is that they hold the, the questioning session in secret. Then the Democrats leak to the media the, whatever portions they think are advantageous to their side, and the Republicans are afraid to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how the game is being played. I frankly, Shannon, don't think that the, the Democrats can sustain this, having these these uh, these uh, interviews in secret much longer, um, because. As you know, impeachment is a legal process, but it's a political process as well. It's a peculiar blend. They are entitled at law to do this any way they choose, the Democrats are. They control the place, and they can impeach for whatever reason they want, basically. 
But if it is perceived as unfair by the people around the country, that it's one-sided, unfair, star chamber, in secret, and all that, and of course Trump will howl, about, howl at the moon about that forever, then I think uh, they got a problem because it'll it'll worry the Democrats in the House who are re- reluctant to vote for impeachment. It will embolden Republicans in the House and in the Senate who will ultimately have to pass on this if it comes to that. So I think there's a lot of risk in trying to do it the way they're doing it. Okay, let's talk about the development that Hunter Biden is stepping down from the board of a Chinese company, uh, saying he's done nothing wrong, but he doesn't want to cause problems for his father. Um, Jonathan Turley, writing in The Hill, law professor, talked about how the, most of the media, what they says is it's been fully investigated and there's nothing there, although I don't know a whole lot of people have, have been investigating it. He outlines what has and hasn't happened, but he says this. There's no reason the media cannot pursue allegations against both of the Trumps and the Bidens. That, however, would counter the narrative that there's nothing wrong with Hunter Biden's dealings and that it's all a, quote, lie that's best to ignore. You've seen the letters that came from the campaign warning certain media outlets, stop talking about it or start, stop booking certain people. Um, we've talked about that. Well, the, the, the problem is that there is an obvious sort of conflict of interest on its face that deals with what Hunter Biden was doing while his father, as vice president, was point man on foreign policy matters affecting countries who stood to be affected by Hunter, uh, stood, to, stood to affect Hunter Biden's interests. So he had a conflict there, and I'm not, you don't have to do anything wrong. Um, exactly or illegal in order for that to be a problem because a conflict of interest creates an appearance problem and and it makes people suspicious that the foreign policy that we're conducting in particular areas isn't on the up and up because there's an interest there so that's kind of where we are and that and I don't think that's ever been you know properly addressed Do you- yeah they keep saying that it was debunked and that it's all lies but I haven't seen any debunking have you guys seen any debunking let's just let me just say something watching Hunter Biden speak First of all, he's kind of hot, right? <laughs> In a creepy kind of way. Um, you know, we all know that he's going through like a paternity court thing and, you know, he's kind of like stuck. Uh, but the thing is, is, um, why did he meet in an undisclosed location? Like, why would you do that? And the background seems to be um, modified, too. So where they met was actually modified. Um, I, I want to play a short clip. Take a listen. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Why did you leave the board in April. It's a five-year term. And you chose not to I chose not to. Why? I think it's pretty obvious why. This is your opportunity to say why. Well, because I think that this is what becomes a distraction, because I have to sit here and answer these questions. And so that's why I've committed that I won't serve on any boards or I won't work um, uh, directly for any foreign entities when my dad becomes president. Do you think that should be a rule across the board for any administration? No. Look, that's the rule that I'm going to adhere to. Do you regret being on the board to begin with? No, I don't regret being on the board. What I regret is not taking into account that there would be a Rudy Giuliani um, and, a, um, and a president of the United States that would be listening to this this ridiculous conspiracy idea, which has, again, been completely debunked by everyone. 
I want to know who everyone is, and I want to know how they debunked it, okay, guys? Uh, you know, they're obviously sitting near a kitchen area. Um, it looks like it's a foreign studio or something or some floor where they have a kitchen. God knows what it is. Um, he's sitting there saying all these things. Oh, yeah, you know, when my father becomes president, you know, I'm not going to. No, he's not going to become president. Like, he can't become. He sat there and said, we're going to have a transparent government like the Obama administration. How is it transparent? Day one, he swears supposed in and immediately sits at a desk. Obama, first day, not the next day, first day, right after he swore. And he signs an executive order putting a seal on anything that goes through his White House. Any records on him, his wife, his kids, his people, his chats, his calls, his emails. He just puts a seal on all of it he signs this executive order tell me how that's transparent he killed transparency like minutes after he swore in who are we kidding like who are these people that say oh yeah you know totally transparent obama government are you kidding he killed transparency minutes after he swore in and they want to push it off as a transparent administration oh, oh my gosh like they really think the people of the united states are dumb, really, really dumb. And, you know, everyone's debunked it. Tell us who everyone is. Are you talking about Jake Tapper or Zucker's team? Who are we talking about? The mainstream media that sits in on your cabinet meetings? The mainstream media that has burner phones that you tell what to say? The mainstream media that is interviewing you know, hot Biden right now with softball questions greasing him up. Come on, man. This is this is ridiculous. And the kicker right here. And you know, I think we people are, at home are. are thinking, how could that not have crossed your mind? Or you wouldn't have felt just a little bit in your gut. Like, maybe this isn't a good idea to go and sit on the board of this well, Ukrainian company. I said, that, I said to you, in retrospect, I wish right, that my judgment. Time, you never, it never, you never thought this might not look right. You know what? I'm a human. And you know what? Did I make a mistake? Well, maybe in, in, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. But did I make a mistake based upon some un- ethical lapse? Absolutely not. He is, like, ready to cry during this interview. It's like, shut up. You're such a loser. You got tons of money. We're talking $75 million, you guys. We're not talking, like, chump change. And, you know, what's funny is is that, you know, people aren't seeing this. Right now, what we're going through is the Gestapo making their face known. The Democrats are the are Gestapo. They will blackmail you. They will attack you guys. I just got a letter from the IRS saying that I may owe taxes from 2012. And I'm thinking in 2000, from my 2012 filing, how is that possible? My income was actually like almost like negative. You know, I was finishing up my graduate school. Um, you know, my husband is just an average guy with an average salary. I was actually bringing in not much money. So how is a family of four, okay, uh, you know, w- children, right, of course, um, with an income that, you know, a positive income of less than like 40 grand owe taxes, okay? They're weaponizing every single agency to come after people. I mean, I'm not worried about it because, you know, I'm really careful on that stuff. But uh, they're weaponizing everything. This is how Gestapo comes. Seven years later, which is seven years, so I think 
the law says after seven years you can pretty much kiss my tushy. Um, but anyway, seven years later they come after you for these things. You know, they're, they're pushing the envelope on every side they can to make sure that they put you in line. This is Gestapo. There's going to be news dropping. Okay, so they got Pete Sessions. He's a little bit corrupt, whatever. But he stepped down, stepped aside for someone else to come in. There's going to be news coming out about people that are in the Senate and Congress that are Republicans. One of them is actually well-liked. It's all going to be fake. It's going to be manufactured. It's going to be partially true. We need to be objective on this and say, okay, we've seen this movie before. We know what's up. So don't be a sucker. Now, this unapologetic coup, this impeachment with no judicial rules being done in secret, like Dean said, it's being seen that it's not right, it's not correct. Well, you know, regardless of what he says, their face is coming out. We see it even in Cuomo. Like, Fredo messed up. Take a listen to this. This is breaking news from the New York Post, by the way. He dropped some really defamatory words, inflammatory, defamatory N-words during a radio interview. They used an expression that Southern Italians were called, I believe they're saying Southern Italians, Sicilians, I'm half Sicilian, were called, quote unquote, and pardon my language, but I'm just quoting the Times, WAPs, N-word WAPs. as a derogatory comment, uh, when I said that WAP was a derogatory comment, oh, that's when the Times God. Union told me, no, you should look in Wikipedia. WAP really meant a dandy. <laughs> okay, this is Cuomo. This is, you know, um, well, Fredo's brother, right, Governor Cuomo, who can use this speech. I'm going to tell you what, just the bottom line, so you guys get... Why even entertain this? There's a double standard. There's a double standard of what they're allowed to say, what they're allowed to do. We aren't allowed to say things. We aren't allowed to do things. They are because they're just demonstrating. So right now we have the left that tells us, uh, you know, you're not allowed to dress up like Aretha Franklin and, you know, uh, use blackface because it's racist. You can't wear a Mexican poncho on Halloween because that's cultural appropriation and you don't know what it means, so you shouldn't be wearing it. Uh, you can't play with maracas or dress up in any sort of way that's racist. And then when you put their feet to the fire and say, all right, you're all about freedom and this. Well, what about, you know, what President Xi said, right? Because you're, 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 you're using that card. You're saying we can't see both sides of the things. It's always got to be this way, right? It's got to be this way. So you're getting a lot of money from China. They're communists. They could do whatever they want. And today everyone's shocked. President Xi said, you know, if, you know, a- anybody that tries to split, um, with China will result in bodies being smashed and bones ground to powder. Um, this is a statement he made. And he said any external forces that support the splitting of China can only be regarded as delusional by the Chinese people. Listen, this is what communism is. They tell you what you're allowed to think, what you're allowed to do. You either accept it or not. You don't want to be in a communist nation? Leave. And you could say, but I built my home here. Tough noogies. Your home is in a communist nation. Now, 
If you are part of the NBA, MLB, Hollywood, and you're talking about how everyone should be free, everyone should have choice, everyone this, and then, you know, you don't chime in on this, you're, you're, you're a hypocrite. See, for me, I can't chime in on this, on the fact of saying, oh, I condemn it. I could say, I wouldn't want to be, you know, a resident, uh, a citizen of that nation. I'll, I'll live there. I'll enjoy communism and get a taste of it. But, you know, it's their cup of tea. I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. And a lot of people can say, how could you be? Because it's none of my business. Every single country has their own culture, has their own identity, has their own set of rules. And, you know, it's 2019, man. You don't have to walk miles. You don't have to drive for miles with a donkey. You can fly. You could take a train. And, you know, in the end, you can actually walk. You could just leave if you don't like it. Just leave. You can. Because the thing is, if they don't let you leave, then there's a problem. See, you're in, you're in China right now and you don't like what it is, then just go to the nearest any embassy and say, I feel oppressed. I feel fearful for my life. I don't want to be in a communist nation and apply to all of them. One of them will take you in as for asylum. I want to live in a free nation, blah, 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 blah. Or you walk across the border just like they do. Right? Like Kazakhstan has a big refugee problem. Do you guys know that? No, you don't. And guess who the refugees are? Chinese. So you can leave. But when you politicize your brand to align with something and someone calls you out on it, don't start, eh, words hurt. You use them. You're the one that weaponized those words. You're the one that wore those words, right? Kaepernick, LeBron, all these stupid clowns. Now when you tell them, talk about this, they're just like, oh, you know. We can't really talk about that. Yeah, because that's 20% of the global population. That's all the people in the world, 20%, that are potential customers that may not be customers. You know, I saw this crazy idea online. You know how they saw Winnie the Pooh was banned because people started making memes of Winnie the Pooh? Someone's like, let's hurt Disney. Let's turn President Xi into Mickey Mouse. Then Disney won't have 20% of the global population paying into their pockets. And maybe we'll get some independent media back. That sounds like a brilliant idea. Whoever came up with it, I loved it. Because that's what you do. You use weapons that they use against you on them. I'll see you all in just a bit. Okay, welcome back, everyone. We are going to hit Brexit running. But before we do that, we need to talk about... <laughs> um, we need to talk about uh, the Mayor Jacob Frey. Uh, it was hilarious, something that I just saw over the break. Thank you, Chris Berg, for retweeting this. So it was incredible. Seems like the taxpayers of Minnesota may be paying for reassignment surgery of their mayor Jacob Frey. He um he uh he tweeted weird week my DMs are trash which gave me a small glimpse into what I assume it must be like for any woman on the internet. I don't know what women you talk to but I love my DMs. <coughs> Even the ones that are dirty. 
you know, I'm totally fine with them. But what makes him think, that's what um, Chris Berg tweeted, what DMs made him feel like a woman? The ones that called him of a JJ? The ones that said, you know, uh, <laughs> grow some testicles, stop being so soy. Which ones were, I'm sorry guys, that was just hilarious. Like, who does that? Um, you know, Jacob Frey, Jesus. All right. Before we get into, um, the Brexit deal, which is being completely smothered by NATO, by Syria and Turkey, I want you guys to um, listen to the NATO versus NATO rift first. Then we're going to head into what the EU Council said and w- that the EU countries banned arms sales to Turkey. Arms they never sell to Turkey. They banned them. Okay, so just this is so funny. Okay, take a listen to um, this you know, short segment about NATO versus NATO in Turkey-EU rift. Take a listen. A disarray over Turkey's military intervention in Syria. Some European countries have decided to halt arms exports to their NATO ally. Others have announced economic sanctions on Ankara over Turkish oil and gas drilling near Cyprus, although names will come at a later stage. With <laughs> They're going to ban arms. They never sell them. Okay, Italy, the UK, they're like, we're banning arms exports to Turkey. And it's like, um, they, 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 Italy had led the arms export ban, um, uh, the arms exports in Turkey in 2018. But guys, Turkey buys most of their weapons from China, Russia, and the United States. So, you know, it's kind of like saying, like me telling you, anybody out there, yeah, I, I'm not making any more cake for you. And you're just like, but you don't make me cake. Yeah, but I'm just telling you, no more cake for you. And you're just like, but you don't give me cake. Yeah, but you're not getting any cake. I'm not making it for you anymore. <laughs> so this is exactly what the EU did. Absolutely nothing. Global condemnation mounting. China has joined other countries to urge Turkey to stop its military operations in Syria. China's foreign ministry spokesperson Geng Shuang made the comment at a daily briefing in Beijing. 独立、统一和领土完整，应该得到尊重和维护。我们呼吁土耳其停止军事行动，回到政治解决问题的正确途径上来。与此同时，叙利亚的反恐形势依然严峻。The U.S. lawmakers are reading bills to sanction and potentially ban U.S. arms exports to Turkey too. But the European Union countries have taken care to shop short of a block-wide embargo against the NATO ally. Italy, the top arms exported to Turkey last year, said that it would join a ban on selling weapons and ammunition to Ankara. This after a weakened decision by France and Germany to suspend sales. Spain signaled that it was ready to do so. A host of other countries such as the United Kingdom, Netherlands, Finland, Sweden and Norway have halted such exports too. Belgium has said that it backed stopping arms exports. The European Union's collective position was mainly aimed at avoiding a legally binding embargo on Turkey, a long-time candidate to join the European Union bloc. 
A full embargo would have grouped Turkey with Venezuela and Russia, countries which the European Union views as hostile and on whom it has a formal ban. The Turkish government said that it fully rejected and condemned the decisions taken and calls made by the European Union on the two issues. Turkey's foreign ministry said, and I quote here, we will seriously review our cooperation with the European Union and certain areas due to its unlawful and biased attitude. Unquote. Now, the European Union imported, uh, exported uh, rather 45 million euros worth of uh, arms and ammunition, including missiles, to Turkey last year. Italy was the main vendor, followed by Spain, Britain and Germany. Sales of aircraft to Turkey, although not all military, amounted to 14 billion euros last year. France was the leading exporter of aircraft to Turkey. The European Union is the top foreign investor in Turkey. Turkey and the European Union member, Cyprus, have argued for years regarding the ownership of fossil fuels in the eastern... Can we talk about this aircraft stuff that they <laughs> I just want to say they are the lead investor because they they fuel them right and they turn their energy on and their heat on, but they sell them like Boeing's and stuff you know like aircraft. <laughs> They're not selling them. weapons. Now I just wanted to say something on the nuclear stuff. So yeah, a lot of there's like nine countries around the world throughout NATO that hold nuclear warheads. Okay, and a lot of people are talking. About, oh my gosh, they have nuclear warheads. Yeah, but here's the thing. First of all. To use them, they need approval from the U.S. because they're ours and NATO. And you're going to say, well, Tori, they're crazy. They're not going to ask for approval. Yeah, you're right. They're not. But the other thing is to deploy B-61s, they don't have the aircraft to deploy it unless unless they bought something we don't know about from China and Russia to do it. But here's the thing. Have you noticed how... Um, China and Russia are leading the, yo, Turkey, you need to stop doing what you're doing because this is going to be a problem. Uh, so one thing is our president actually uh, tweeted out that he didn't care if, um, you know, like he didn't care who uh, helps the Kurds. He said it could be Russia. China or Napoleon Bonaparte. We're 7,000 miles away. As long as, you know, Assad, who's protecting the land and the Kurds are safe with him, I really don't care. Because again, none of our business, right? So here we have NATO versus NATO. They're coming down on it. Uh, the EU says that they banned arms. Take a listen to what the EU strongly condemning the drilling. And they said today, we strongly condemn Turkey's illegal drilling. This is the second time, right? The second time of the Eastern Mediterranean. And I'll tell you why they said this. Listen to her say it. It's just a few seconds. Political decision is taken today. And I think this is the main message that comes uh, uh, from the Council on the drillings. They, 28 member states, agreed to put in place um, the framework of restrictive uh, uh, measures. Uh, and uh, uh, now the technical steps will follow. The technical steps will follow. First of all, Greece is like, yo, you guys are doing nothing. Cyprus is like, yo, you guys are doing nothing. Israel is like, yo, you guys are doing nothing. Everyone's saying, EU, you're doing nothing. They're like, well, we're going to put restrictive measures. Now, their feet are to the fire. We checkmated. We're like, you know what? We're out, man. Peace out. Let Turkey do their thing. If Turkey doesn't follow the rules, I will let the EU crush them. And then I'll come and clean up. But the thing is, the EU's not going to crush it. It's going to be Russia. And I've said this 
all along because Russia's brokering the deals. Russia's doing this. Don't forget, Russia is supposedly their friend. And China is working with Turkey because they're giving them, you know, all the UAV technology they've been working on together, the long-range ones. So here you have two people that are supposedly allies of Turkey trying to defuse the situation. And, you know, you have to think about it. Wait a minute. Why is Turkey invading Syria again? Wait. Uh, I thought ISIS was under control. So why are they there? So if you take out the ISIS, why are the Kurds teaming up with Syria to fight Turkey? What's the real war? Think about it for a second. Now, let's just listen to how, you know, (laughs) uh, they're banning (laughs) arms sales to Turkey because this is a joke. Other European Union countries are joining France and Germany in banning arms sales to Turkey in light of its military offensive in northern Syria. In a statement Monday, the EU said Turkey's military action seriously undermines the stability and the security of the whole region. As a result, several EU member states are taking national stances on arms export policies to Okay, so uh, st- uh, they're promoting instability, right? Instability for their power going on. They're not going to have internet. They're not going to have heat. And they're going to be cold, right? That is the instability that's being pushed now. So the, the the EU is literally on fire right now. They've got Brexit, and then they've got Turkey being like, I don't care. And Trump is literally sitting in the White House having two scoops of ice cream saying, dude, this is awesome. Because here's the thing. They, the, the EU had it all planned out. We're going to beef up Turkey. We're going to get all these pipelines. We're going to be funneling migrants from Africa to be our slaves. We're going to be taking all the oil. We're going to have all the power, and we're going to control it. We're going to create, and thank you, everybody, for responding. We're going to create the ultimate Hunger Games, and the center of it will be Astana, or what they call Nur Said uh, now, which is the light the city of light, uh, right, is going to be the center of it where we're going to be, you know, sector one with the really fancy wigs and stuff. And everybody else is going to be serving us. It's all coming to fruition. But we need the power. So we need the power to be proximal to where we're going to be based. And we need the power to power these other sectors that are going to be serving us, right? They're going to be serving us. So, you know. To serve all our corporations, we need power. So we're going to let Turkey do that, and then we're going to annihilate them. But here comes President Trump saying, oh, hey, Turkey, you know they're going to annihilate you when they're done with you. Yeah, well, I'm stronger. I am going to take over, and the Ottoman Empire will be great once again. <laughs> sure it will. Uh, so you need to stop doing this because, you know, if you uh, help overthrow Syria, you know, the EU just gets more pipelines. And, you know, you're you're the foster parent for Libya right now, and you're their military, and that's their next plan. I mean, those are the only two left. That's the last frontier. That's the frontier that Hitler wanted to hold. Very key, huh? And then you've got Iran sitting there that's kind of like been ignored because they're being diffused, and they're like, Turkey's like, all right, I'll, I I will go and I will fix for you, Mr. Trump. But Mr. Trump already knows. Hmm, I'm going to eat my two scoops of ice cream and let you deal with it. Because you know what? The best way to get corruption out, the best way to fix situations is to let them drop their masks. I mean, whatever Schiff is doing right now is showing the face of the Gestapo. You know, whatever Turkey is doing right now is rearing their real Ottoman face. So let it happen. And they have to decide, do they want to be a real independent state or are they going to continue their 
eons of legacy of being the Ottoman Empire. That's up to them. In the meantime, we're just going to watch and we're going to enjoy. And like the president said, we're 7,000 miles away and none of our business. <laughs> it's totally none of our business. China wants to crush people, you know. At some point, everyone's going to be like, you can't do it. So they could say whatever they want, do whatever they want, but there is always a humanitarian point, right? There is. But in the meantime, <laughs> mind our own business. We just look after ourselves first and everything else comes. One person had once told me, you know, uh, during turmoil, whenever you're in an aircraft, if the air mask drops, what do they tell you? Put your mask on and then help your child. Put your mask on, then ch- help the elderly, right? Why do they say that? Because if you can't take care of you, how are you going to take care of someone else? And the United States all this time has been pushing the narrative that we're helping the whole world with our instilling dem- democratic principles, right? They're, they've been telling you that, but we can't even fix our own place. They want us to take in all these refugees at the southern border, all of them African. I told you this months ago. They're not, they're not Hispanic. They're, they're, they're Africans. Remember, Pompeo sealed the South Side with the Colombian visit, right? So now we've got these Africans that are stuck in Central America. They can't go back because they're going to be deported. They can't go forward. Well, they can. And Mexico's got to deal with it. So, you know, there's an issue. But they want us to deal with thousands upon thousands and millions and upon millions of illegal migrants when we can't even take care of our own house. Why are you putting masks on someone else to breathe when you can't wear your own first? Now, let's get into Brexit. So this is going to be super fun. First, I want to play a short clip of Boris and what he says on the no deal. No deal Brexit. Is it a destiny or a disaster? This is from Al Jazeera. Listen. And two missed deadlines. We must leave the EU. Britain is in chaos. People are taking to the streets angry, indignant, divided. And it's all because of Brexit. Brexit now! Brexit now! The Conservative government wants out of the European Union as fast as possible, even without a deal and no matter the costs. We're leaving on the 31st of October. No ifs or buts. Could you imagine if that FISA report drops? (laughs) How quick will that leaving be? For supporters of Brexit, a new world of global trade opportunities and reduced immigration beckons. But the UK Parliament has blocked a no-deal scenario. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. Citing official warnings of an economic meltdown and even a shortage of food and medicines. That is exactly what they told George Washington, right? That is exactly what they told him. You leave the crown, we will starve. You leave the crown, you won't have medicine. You leave the crown, you will not have trade, remember? And then we became the glorious nation of the United States of America. It's going to be an absolute disaster for everybody. The battle between those who want to leave right now and those who want to remain is threatening to undermine British democracy. Critics say the Brexiters are guilty of incendiary rhetoric. Once Brexit's done, we'll take the knife to them. Which has created a climate of fear for vulnerable minorities. This is why I'm getting punched. Immigrants and even politicians. My guest today is Richard Tice, co-founder and chair of the Brexit Party. We're going to London to stop the Brexit betrayal. A key figure in the Leave... 
So they're talking about the Brexit betrayal and they're really upset that Brexit, they said leave and no one's leaving, right? It's like, uh, when are we leaving? So this is a problem. Now, remember the queen came down with like a law. No, we're not going to leave without an, a no Brexit deal, blah, blah, blah. Well, the queen just had a speech live. So they had her come with the carriage, uh, you know, her long train. And I'm going to play what she says. Listen. My lords and members of the House of Commons, my government's priority has always been to secure the United Kingdom's departure from the European Union on the 31st of October. My government intends to work towards a new partnership with the European Union based on free trade and friendly cooperation. I just want to say the crown that she's wearing like right now could probably, you know, feed all of the Geordies. I'm just saying. My ministers will work to implement new regimes for fisheries, agriculture and trade, seizing the opportunities that arise from leaving the European Union. Boris is smiling and she says, we're going to make new deals. We're going to be able to take hold of our fisheries again. That was what was the tipping point that the EU Gestapo, the Nazis were like, yeah, I know you've been fishing here for hundreds of years, but it's Denmark's waters. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is British territory. Yeah. So you're part of the EU. It's ours. An immigration bill ending free movement will lay the foundation for a fair, modern, and global immigration system. My government remains committed to ensuring that resident European citizens, who have built their lives in and contributed so much to the United Kingdom. So, immigration bill uh, that stops freedom of movement, meaning not everybody can come in, and if you want to live and work in the United Kingdom you got to have a points-based system. I think her crown already has that in Australia, so that's pretty easy to implement. You just take it from one of your other territories, Queenie. Have the right to remain. The bill will include measures that reinforce this commitment. Steps will be taken to provide certainty, stability, and new opportunities for the financial services and legal sectors. My government's new economic plan will be underpinned by a responsible fiscal strategy, investing in economic growth while maintaining the sustainability of the public finances. Measures will be brought forward to support and strengthen the National Health Service, its workforce and resources, enabling it to deliver the highest quality care. New laws will be taken forward to help implement the National Health Service's long-term plan in England, and to establish an independent body to investigate serious health care incidents. My government will bring forward proposals to reform adult social care in England to ensure dignity in old age. My ministers will continue work to reform the Mental Health Act to improve respect for and care of those receiving treatment. My government is committed to addressing violent crime and to strengthening public confidence in the criminal justice system. New sentencing laws will see that the most serious offenders spend longer in custody to reflect better the severity of their crimes. Measures will be introduced to improve the justice system's response to foreign national offenders. 
My government will work to improve safety and security in prisons and to strengthen the rehabilitation of offenders. Proposals will be brought forward to ensure... Did you hear that? So there's going to be new laws and an increase in sentences for foreign national offenders who breach deportation orders. Or that victims receive the support they need and the justice they deserve. Laws will be introduced to ensure that the parole system recognizes the pain to victims and their families caused by offenders refusing to disclose information relating to their crimes. A new duty will be placed on public sector bodies, ensuring they work together to address serious violence. Police officers will be provided with the protections they need to keep the population safe. Here's the good side. To help people plan for the future, measures will be brought forward to provide simpler oversight of pension savings. To protect people's savings for later life, new laws will provide greater powers to tackle irresponsible management of private pension schemes. Issues. It will champion global free trade and work alongside international partners to solve the most pressing global challenges. It will prioritize tackling climate change and ensuring that all girls have access to 12 years of quality education. What? That's the key. So they've slipped in the global climate change thing. I want to tell you during her speech, the only thing that was breaking news on the banner was tougher sentences on foreign criminals and urging 12 years of quality education to girls. What do you mean? Only girls are going to have access to what do you mean by quality education? You mean that they have rights to abortion? What do you mean by girls having quality education? What about the boys in England? What about the blokes? Right. These are questions we should be asking ourselves. What are they really telling us here? What is really going on here? So regardless, um, Boris Johnson's crackdown on crime was taken by the queen. She accepted it. She put it through and they are angry. Jeremy Corbyn was pissed. But again, it all lays down to this IG FISA report because this is going to demonstrate just how broken the system is in the United Kingdom and how they helped collude for a coup. And this is where redactions are supposedly happening. And this is why the Queen made this announcement. And this is why maybe there is a slight delay. Maybe there is a slight delay. And that's why it's coming out on the 21st or 22nd rather than the 17th, uh, as originally stated. Um, and the 17th would have been ideal again because it would have helped them get arrested. It would have helped them have the prosecutor's report at the same time. So that way... We can get that perp walk. We can get that satisfaction that that justice is being delivered. So Brexit is happening. Turkey is happening. The EU right now is like pulled in all directions. And like I said, the United States is sitting and eating two scoops of ice cream with a Diet Coke and a Big Mac and a big helping of fries saying, I'm far away. None of my business. You did this. See, that's the thing. People need to own up to what they've done. And the queen is now, in a way, I find that her speech was 
humbling for her. And we'll see how that uh, comes out uh, really, really, really soon. So on that note, I want to wish everyone a great evening. And I'll see you all here tomorrow, same time, same place, uh, 12 to 2 only on Red State Talk Radio. And remember, pay attention to the words, the words you use, but the words that you see, hear, and they say. God bless.